morning, everybody. We're back for another In the Hot Seat. And this time, I'm really pleased to be joined by Linda Barraclough. Linda is Financial and Strategic Director for Innova Solutions, a Lancashire-based business that supplies bonding tapes, adhesives, cleaners and sanitizers. I suspect, Linda, that's a, a high growth area for you in the last year, in the yes. age of COVID. <laughs> Um, just to tell you a little bit about her, she's a very enthusiastic leader, I know this for, uh, to be true, and is known within the business as the fountain of all knowledge, especially around Brexit, so that will come in handy later. Uh, Linda's role is very varied from finance to HR, and she wears as many hats as Edward de Bono on a daily basis. I know that you're motivated, Linda, not by your own success, but by the success and development of those that you work with. And I know also that you believe in the adage that people buy from people, one of my adages too, and is very passionate about developing a team. I know also I hear that you are the funding guru. If there is a grant to be found, then you are the person that will find it. And I believe that you've funded about 50% of your latest warehouse um, with nigh on 100k of funding. Is that right? That's right. Yes. Fantastic. So welcome. Great to have you. It's brilliant that we've got some of your time today. So thank you for joining me. Thank you, Lily. It's lovely to be here. And we're, we're going to go through three topics today. I thought, knowing your background and your passion, mm -hmm. I thought we'll start with Brexit in a minute. I know that the divorce has been finalised, but I think it's interesting to know, um, as a director of a small medium enterprise, I'm going to be asking you a little bit about what's happening in the early days of redefining this relationship? You know, what those sort of difficult things, you know, are you having the kids at the weekend or am I not having the kids at the weekend? So we'll ask some of those questions a bit later about what's really happening for small businesses. Um, I also want to think about what's COVID doing to us? What's the challenge that you're facing uh, in terms of lockdown three? We don't know when it's going to end. How are you coping with that? And then finally, uh, I know that your mantra at Innova is bonding people fixing problems. So one of the things that I really noted in working with your team is how united and how connected and how engaged they are. So I, I know there'll be loads of people listening to this today so, saying, how do you do this, particularly in this age of sort of distance management? So does that sound like a reasonable agenda for our session today? Sounds like a great one. Okay, brilliant. So I'm going to start off with Brexit. Um, Boris was so enthusiastic when he signed the divorce settlement and he said responsibility falls onto our shoulders to take full advantage of the freedom of action that our country's regained. And 2021 is going to be our opportunity to show what global Britain can do on a world stage. Very enthusiastic, gung-ho Boris statement. From your perspective as a leader of an, S as an SME, um, which delivers, I know, I think about a quarter of your business in Europe. What is the reality of the deal for you? Um, chaos. The reality, honestly, over the last two weeks, I would say it's taken up 80% of my time. Um, from your transport companies not knowing what they're doing, the paperwork that's required, um, the, the reality of the free trade deal um, all hinges around origin of products. So if you buy products from the USA um, to on sell, for instance, um, we would bring them into the UK, pay 6.5% duty, pay our import back. When we then re-export them into Europe, there's the same duty, 6.5%, the same import back. So the challenge is, one, what are your commercial terms? How are you delivering to these people? Because previously, your terms were just DAP delivered at place. There was no issue. There was no issue with duties or taxes or anything. So 
the reality not only is it's hard it's harder to trade with the uk at the moment um i do think some of europe have the aspect of well we didn't vote for this this is not our problem this is britain's problem so just crack on and get on with it but from our perspective um we've had pallets waiting to go to europe and they're still sat there they're still sat in our warehouse because whilst we know what we're doing as a business and we've been very Brexit prepared and we've been on the relevant seminars and we've registered on the correct websites, um, the commodity codes that we use, which actually distinguish the type of products that you ship, um, you have to have an eight digit code for importing and, sorry, exporting and 10 digit for importing. So it's a lot of this technicality of making sure that you've got the right paperwork with the right terminology, with the right um, inco terms on there that's, that's delaying things. So in real terms, it's not, it's not sounding very positive. How, how do you stay competitive against companies in Europe who produce similar goods and, and, and sell similar goods across Europe? I think it's going to be difficult because you've got your pricing um, along with your service and keeping customers happy. So the challenge that you have with um, the pricing, like I explained, if you're then selling on to, to Europe, uh, something that comes from the USA, and then they might be selling on to another country who doesn't have a free trade deal with, Europe, with, with the USA, there's another duty gone on top of that. So all of a sudden, these products get really expensive if there's more than one intermediate seller. Um, the challenge with that is, um, you know, who is ending up paying for them? Um, and the thing with import duties, they're there for tax on a country so the countries are saying well actually if you're going to buy outside of our country we're going to tax you for that privilege yeah. because we want the people within our own country to be more competitive so the challenge is then what are we going to you know how do we stop this who, who picks it up um how do we become competitive and still provide the service and the solution that we've come to as a business is through a company called europa they're a road okay. transport uh, company um, and what they've done is they've actually set up something called Europa Flow so they will collect goods from the UK um, they will clear them in France under it's called Regime 42 so what that means is that there are free circulation goods within Europe then so whilst we may pay any import duty on any goods that are not a GB origin mm -hmm. there is no import VAT it's the VAT treatment is exactly the same for the customer as it was pre-Brexit. Aha, so we have a solution. There is a solution. Um, so actually, I'm, I'm starting to hear that there are some positives around it, uh, that, that you've worked your way around the loopholes. Are, are there any other positives that you see from uncoupling from Europe, such as you know markets that you're taking on further afield or exploring at the moment? Yeah, I think the, the ability for the United Kingdom to do their own trade deals with other countries. I think if we can negotiate trade deals with, with other countries, that would have a positive impact for us. Uh, for instance, if we had a trade deal with the USA, um, there is an existing trade deal with Korea. Um, and obviously whether there'll ever be a trade deal with China is, is anybody's guess. Um, but for us, it's, it's about simplifying things. And if we can then decrease our importation costs that would make a big difference my biggest fear is that at the moment the negatives outweigh the positives and 
how long for? I know from my personal experience of working with about two and a half thousand businesses over a lot of years, uh, we spend so much time and pay so much attention to taking happy clients to delighted clients. But if I look at the research and, and personal experience, that is really expensive and the return on investment isn't always you know, what we'd hope it might be. So I think one of the crucial things that uh, I like to look at is actually how do we simplify things for the client, make it as easy as possible to buy from us, to increase that loyalty. So rather than looking for somebody else, actually I'm gonna, because it's easy, I'm gonna go to this person. So I just want to ask you, Linda, in terms of Brexit, what could small business do to ensure that Brexit doesn't become a, either a psychological, if not a real building block um, to reduce that loyalty from customers that you're already working with across the border? It's a great question because you've always got to balance that, the service and, and the ROI at the end of the day. And like you say, sometimes they just don't go hand in hand. I think the key thing is communication. It's about not being scared to say to your customer, look, unfortunately, this is where we are. The price we gave you was an X-Works price. Uh, we're in the situation now that there's extra costs involved. Um, in effect, what we can do, we can make it easier. We can get it to you with no change as far as you're concerned, but it's going to cost a bit more. Um, yeah. Now, it's about, it's always about that balance. It is exactly about that balance. And it's about that balance as well. Is, does it then become more expensive? So what we're saying is, well, look at me, your minimum order values. If you know you're stocking products, take more products. So increase your order, order less often from us. We can make it easy for you and, and keep that sort of line of communication open. And um, it is going to be difficult for some businesses already you've heard on the news, people are stopping selling either into Europe, from Europe, because of the challenges in the paperwork. And I think the key thing here is, um, there's, it's back down to, and sometimes it's, we'll say, okay, this is what it's going to cost you. And this is how we're going to manage it. And using systems like Europa Flow um, for our smaller consignments, it definitely makes life easier for the customer. So ultimately it's about the value that the customer perceives in your product and how have we built that value, your relationship, that customer service for within that um, customer and whether we actually can do what we say we're going to do. So, you know, do what it says on the tin. Um, mm -hmm. And thirdly, then it's down to price. But yeah. for me, um, you know, price is probably the last side of things because you've got to get everything else right. If it's the wrong product and you don't have the great customer service, then price is irrelevant. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and, and it is for me back down to that people buy from people. That's yeah. key. That's really yeah. key. I'm going to move away from Europe. Uh, I'm, I'm, we're looking global. Or are we actually looking local? We're going to come to the joys of COVID. Mark three lockdown at present. Um, here we are. Who would have believed it when this started in the UK, sort of March last year, when we had lockdown Mark one, that we would be in this situation still nearly a year on? What's different this time for you? You know, we're with the uh, we're with the less of a shop. We know what we're doing. What's different for you in business with lockdown Mark three? I think there's a few things that are different. So first, we've got the knowledge. And if you look back to March, there was this shock, this panic, huge panic. Um, and we all had to make sacrifices and changes. And I remember Boris's address when it was on the 23rd of March, when he talked about closing down um, non-essential businesses. And that wasn't clear. So a lot of people in our industry closed. 
uh, yeah. they closed the doors. Uh, they found that, you know, the, the, the furlough scheme was announced a week later for the support, but they closed the doors. So what's happened for us, April, May, June, it dropped off a cliff. I mean, business just dropped off a cliff. The phone stopped ringing. We fell out our sales team, but we carried on with our warehousing. We carried on servicing the customers that were still um, actually working. working. So for us in lockdown, the, the third lockdown, like you say, um, we're managing our staff working from home, just like the, the first lockdown, but we've not followed staff since June. So we brought our, all our staff back towards the end of June because fortunately we've got the business there uh, for, for the capacity of our, of our sales team. Now, I do think it's slightly different at the moment. I don't think November affected us that much. I think everybody was still doing the whole Christmas thing. There were still things going on. I've just got a fear that it is quieter on the phones and you know that once the phones start to get quieter, business starts to drop off. I know you've had a lot of challenges over the last year, like most small businesses. What's been most difficult to overcome? I think I'm keeping the staff motivated and, and making sure that they understand that the jobs are safe. Um, that's been a challenge and communication has always been key for us. Um, but obviously from a technology point of view, how do you maintain running a business remotely? And that's been a real challenge. We know after the first lockdown that we work better together as a team in the same building. Whilst we've got a separate warehouse, we've got a, a sales office that works really, really well together. So about 12 months ago, we put a VoIP, a VoIP system in, so voice over IP for the telephones. And we also upgraded our internet because if we hadn't have done that, there's not a chance we'd have been able to have all the staff working from home that we have now. Uh, but the key thing for us around the staff and the health was using Microsoft Teams. Yeah, That's just yeah. phenomenal. It's, yeah, it's a free service. You've got the video conferencing. You've got the actual uh, messaging on there. So we could literally put group messages on. So people who were in finance and logistics saw the message and responded. But we also used it to keep morale as well. I was going to say because because that the technology covers all of your sort of strategy and how do we deliver operations, but it's the that emotional impact, isn't it? I know that I've mm. seen two different sides uh, to this from a, a range of clients. Those that have got family who desperately don't want to see their family because they've they've had it up to here with you know kids asking questions and homeschooling, but then the difficulty of those people that do live alone. And that absolute sense of isolation. So how you make connections. And I, I did hear a story from a couple of your um, lovely guys who are, have been on our Step Into Management programme about you sending funny little gifts out from yes. time to time. Go on, share, share, share with me one, one or two of those things. And I thought it was lovely, yeah, particularly for those that are living on their own. Yeah, so in lockdown one, what I realised was there's, there's certain, you know, people living on their own, but also people who were disconnected from family. Um, and so it started with, we have a wonderful lady called Helen who loves cats. And about two months prior to lockdown, I'd actually broken her mug in the office. I'd smashed it and it was a cat mug. So I just thought, I shall replace Helen's mug. So I brought this lovely mug with, with Helen on it and sent it, but I didn't say who it was from because ultimately it's not about that. It's about somebody receiving something that day to brighten and lift the day. And, and she thought it was phenomenal. It made her smile, it made her giggle. Every time she picks that mug up, she thinks of that. And I think it's lovely. And that's now her mug in the office. But so it, it it's, it's those little moments, chinks of light, isn't it? It's those absolute chinks of light. Um, 
and th and that bringing that sense of fun and actually that engagement. But you're like you're like the year round Secret Santa, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think that Innova and um, the economy will look like by Christmas 2021? What additional support do you think we're going to need from the government to really get our economy back on its feet? The economy by Christmas, I think it's going to be a massive challenge for the high street and the, uh, the social side of things, the pubs um, and all the things that we're used to doing. They talk about 30 days creating a habit and people get out of going to the gym, they get out mm. of going socialising, but we are social animals and, and the hospitality sector has been decimated. So my opinion is, you know, th th there's a huge support package that's required there because if we lose all the, the retail, um, you know, the hospitality and the gyms, what do we have left? We, we have lockdown again. We, we have something where there is nothing to do. And what we don't realise is how much we rely on those social interactions of even if it is just meeting up with friends, but being able to do that in a pub or a restaurant. So I'm a big believer that this year we have to support those type of businesses when we reopen. And also the high street, it's gone. It was going anyway. Um, it's just exasperated that and, and made it so fast so that everybody's now buying online. And I personally making a commitment to buy more from unique businesses that have set up in COVID or the high street to support that economy because if we don't then that is your answer what is the, the economy is dead the high street's dead I, I want to come back actually to um your living your brand bonding people fixing problems I bet that brings some comments from time to time um but I, I, I think that you know people live and die uh, by those relationships that they have, you know, those people that they have with uh, with organisations that, that, that they run, those that are passionate about caring for their staff and caring for their clients. As you see COVID wear off and we bring people back into work, what do you see the problems that you've uh, noticed in terms of threatening the resilience of your people? How have you dealt with building that resilience in people? It's about communication and that goes for both the staff that you employ, but also the customers that you deal with. So the resilience of the business, what I've noticed um, after the first lockdown, we supported our customers from a point of view, if they couldn't afford to pay, we agreed payment plans. But mm -hmm. after the first three months, what we noticed was 95% of our customers were paying on time. It was probably paying better and Part of that possibly is due to funding that was available, but, you know, possibly paying better than what they've ever, ever done. Um, but you're back down to communication for your staff. So your staff need to know that um, the job's safe. They need to understand that the business is doing, you know, actually be involved in what the business is doing. It's, it's more critical than ever at this moment in time for the staff to be involved and understand the type of decisions that businesses are making and why, because, they might see something that's happening and think, oh, my God, well, I'm, you know, what's going to happen? You know, we had to make decisions at the outset that we have never done before of actually letting somebody go before they even started work for us. Mm -hmm. And that was in March. And, and you know, the, the, the beautiful story about that is that we've been able to employ them since. Um, but it's <laughs> you can't have staff being effective and building that resilient business if they're scared, if they don't. Yeah. Um, understand so 
you know, for me, it's about communication and, and not all businesses communicate the way that, that we do. We're very open with our staff yeah. because we believe that if they understand what's happening and, um, you know, we share information with them, they feel more part of our team. They're going to have more buy-in and ultimately they're going to give everything to that business. So I think that honesty is really fantastic. I think the other thing that impressed us as Morgan James Consulting, and we're really thankful to you for that, is you continue to invest in people's training uh, because we had several people from your from your team were, were on the mm -hmm. Step Into Management programme, which we, of course, had to put online for a short period of time. And you still... Uh, invested and said, no, we're going to carry on and we're going to see this through. And we've got another ga gaggle from your your guys um, yes. coming onto the program this month. How has that impacted the performance of your people as you've continued that business of normal process? It's been huge. It really has been huge. You know, Lily, I'm a big fan of the type of training that uh, your company provide. Um, I, I'm openly honest with my staff and say, I don't believe in these training courses that you get so many CPD points and you've got to do these essays. It's not about that, it's about developing the person, which is what you do beautifully. And for years in the business, we've had this sort of gap from director level to, um, there's been no middle management, shall we say, nobody taking on that mantle. Um, there's been people like myself in the business, you know, the fountain of all knowledge, that we've had to be because there's not been anybody who's been prepared to step up and take that next level. And this is what it's done. Um, just a, a, you know, a little story. We've had Liam and Adam and Liam's in sales and Adam's in warehousing. And um, there's another uh, chap called Craig who's coming on the course this year. But what happened after starting that training, they formed this triangle. And this triangle of support network for each other to talk to each other to make sure that purchasing, warehousing and sales were talking as a triangle. Now, you could have never got that, but they understood the importance. And it's just, you know, I had a chat with Liam and his drive and enthusiasm. He said to me, I'm not going to stop, Linda. I'm not going to stop. I'm not stopping. And I just think, wow, brilliant, because that's what I want. That's what I want. I think we should surround ourselves with people that are better than us. And if Morgan James gives my team that confidence to do that, then yeah, you know, brilliant. I'd we'll have him on strategic. We'll have him on strategic leaders next. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> As we move on. Definitely. But but actually, I mean, it is. It's generating that energy, that motivation, that drive. Even even in the tough days, that you get up, you show up, and you give your best. And I think this is one of the things that I love about you when we talk. <laughs> I come away invigorated and energized, but the one thing that I know is really crucial is if you are a motivated nor inspired and inspiring sort of person, it's really easy for lots of people to come and suck that energy and take that energy from you. What do you do to look after yourself, to check in with yourself that, that you're actually okay, that you're filling your own cup or getting other people to help you to fill your cup too? I think you, the, the journey that you go on as a person develops um, over a lot of years, ultimately. And, and I've become the person who I'm confident in who I am. Therefore, yes, whilst there's a lot of people coming for that information, then I feel that I've got that capacity to give that. Uh, I read a lot of self-help books and one that I love, um, I met a wonderful lady called Heather Ryan. Um, she's a mm -hmm. motivational speaker. She's written a book called Breaking the Mirror 
but we did some work with her. And one of the things she said, and this is phenomenal, she said, you know, at what point do you just think, oh, it's Monday, I don't want to get up. Yeah, I just couldn't turn over and just stop in bed. She said, why? She said, because your seven-year-old self, when you tell them it's time to go to bed, said, ah, no, yeah. I'm not finished. Hang on, hang on. I'm not finished with today. I don't want to go to bed. When a four-year-old wakes up and opens their eyes, the first thing they do is get up. They yeah. don't lie in bed and think, oh, it's Monday. It's like, whoa, yeah. what can I do with my day? So it's a choice. And, and Heather's done some, you know, there is actually scientific research behind the dendrites in the brain and the path of least resistance. And we are programmed to be more negative than positive ultimately. So what happens is uh, the negative thoughts take over and it's a constant challenge to practice for those positive thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, I do actually um, do quite a lot of yoga, which is very great for de-stressing as well. Um, and I sort of meditating um, during lockdown, which has found really beneficial just to stop and take that moment headspace is brilliant if you're not into meditation i think it's it's one of the things i say is just you know even if you just do two minutes and then five minutes and then 10 minutes in fact Mm -hmm. that's my um that's my routine to get out of office and into normal life is just to do a 10 minute meditation to just go going to leave everything any stresses any challenges anything that is concerning me back in the office so I can go and be fully present as in a family setting so so thank you for sharing that some top tips there and some great names um the last thing I want to ask you it's been brilliant to have you on this morning and and thank you so much for sharing your time top tip your number one tip that comes from your experience over all of the years for building a strong and resilient business and surviving difficult times just one tip for the the listeners i'm just going to say it's the three c's for me it's about communication compassion and caring people might think compassion and caring are the same thing but it's not and it's not just about your staff, it's about your customers. Having that compassion, you've no idea what John's gone through when you just asked him for that order, whether somebody's poorly in his family with COVID. Um, but the caring side, I know that every one of our staff know that we care about them. From asking about the grandma and whether she's okay to just having those five minutes with a brew with them and the communication I've touched on. So for me, the, the key thing is, it is, you could say that compassion and caring all come back to communication because if you don't care you're not going to communicate if you've no compassion you're not going to listen and you're not going to learn so it is really quite key in my opinion three c's i think that's a wonderful (laughs) thing to leave it on thank you so much linda for your time brilliant to see you and i look forward to seeing your new gaggle as they arrive at step into management in a couple of weeks time brilliant thanks Thanks, bye bye bye